This is exciting. I've been traveling for a while, that's why you haven't been receiving any videos. I've been doing dailies for those who are on the WhatsApp. Hold on, let me move this back so you get the full, the full. All right, so I've been going actually cross country from Los Angeles to uh, coming both for Gimel Tamas to New York, special day which I want to talk about today, this Thursday, also for a wedding. And um, since I'm a little kid, I always had this this incredible <laughs> desire to ride on, on to go on the highways and and roads and explore new roads. I guess my desire to um, learn Hasidus and explore new dimensions is related to that desire of always finding something new and. I haven't seen yet, and it's always been like as a little kid, I always wanted that deeply. Um, so I also had this dream of driving across country, but it you know, was time to go drive across country. But now with the COVID 19 and the lockdown and all that, so first of all, being cooped up for a couple of months made, drove me crazy. But I, I guess everybody's in the same boat. But in addition to that, um, I, I'm still not comfortable uh, going on a plane just the, the plane's atmosphere of being cooped up in a plane with all the people breathing the same air is still a little um, nerve-wracking for me. Especially since I've had people in my community and people in my family that were hit very hard. So trying to protect myself. So my wife and I decided to uh, drive to New York. Um, doesn't have that same enclosement of a plane, even though we're going and stopping at the gas stations, this and that. But it's different, it's still open areas. And we're on our last leg of our journey. We've been traveling already for 10 days. Saw some really beautiful parts of the country. And tonight I'm in Pittsburgh. And it's the last, usually we're driving like seven, eight hours or nine hours a day. And um, did some, you know, once I was driving already, did some nice take you around through Yellowstone. So that was a little bit, quite about a thousand miles extra, but uh, it was very special. I can say that I enjoyed God's world like I'd never before, and um, really purified my mind. It was very special. Tomorrow we drive into New York, and we're gonna be at 770 for Gimel Tamas. Drop by by the, we'll by by the oil as well. And um, that's that. I am a bit tired from all this. Today was also a long drive. We drove all the way from Chicago to Pittsburgh. Literally this minute, just walked into the hotel. And, uh, but I don't, so I'm gonna, it's gonna be a shorter class today, but I did not want to skip two weeks. Last week I wanted to give the class, but we were in a place where there was no Wi-Fi. So we're up in West Yellowstone, Montana. But what I'd like to say today, I believe, is very special, very rich. It's my own thoughts, something that I have not, uh, it's not, I'm not giving over, something that I've read in the Sefer, although I am basing it on a, on a passage in the Talmud. Gimel Tamas is coming, it's 26 years. Gimel Tamas has a long history. It's the day that Yeshua, Joshua, stopped the sun when he was victorious, bringing the Jewish people into the land of Israel. This is the day that brings brought down in Seder Olam, Yeshua stopped the sun. 
Um, and um, many years later, the day had a great significance in Chabad, in that it was the day that the previous Chabad Rebbe of Yosef Yitzchak was exiled to the city of Kastrama. This is after his, um, after he was arrested and tortured and interrogated for, for a long time in the infamous prison of um, uh, right now it slipped my mind and um, they already almost had him um, under the firing squad they almost killed him and of course the Abrams was protecting his servant um, and the Rebbe was saved, and at the end they decided to send him for three years exile, which for a person like him in his weakened condition would have been the exile that when the Russians and the communists sent someone in exile, it wasn't easy. The Rebbe's father, the Blavi Yitzhak Schneerson, the Mohutin of the previous Rebbe, was in exile and uh, passed away immediately after, I think, the conclusion of his time that he was supposed to be in exile from the hardship and the difficulties. And Friedrich Rebbe was not a healthy man. So sending him off thousands of kilometers away to the bitter cold uh, areas and that would not have meant well but the Rebbe did leave and went and for the Chassidim it was initially considered a horrible day they didn't know that the Rebbe was initially supposed to be killed and then they decreed upon him 10 years of labor camp and then he exchanged it for 3 years so this was a lightning of his punishment so this was a very very dark day um, turns out sorry, turns out a week later A week later, just after, as he got there, um, on the 12th day of Tammuz, they um, freed him completely. 12th and 13th of Tammuz, and this became a big Yom Tif. So Gimel Tammuz was an interesting day. Initially, it was always thought as a very dark day, and then reactively, we realized that it was the beginning of his redemption. It was phase one of his redemption, and therefore in Chabad, it's called Chag HaGeula. The beginning, the Haschal of Chag HaGeula, the Rebbe once said, but for Hasidim, this day is even a group more important than the 12th of Thomas. The 12th of Thomas, which is officially Yom Tiv, that's for the Jewish people as a whole. The leader who saves Russian Jewry and then later went on to champion Judaism in America, spread Yiddishkeit all over the world, was saved and was able to do his work. That's for the Jewish people. But for a Hasid, the personal life of the Rebbe is the most important. The fact that the Rebbe was released from um, his from the, from the prison that he was in, which every moment that he was there was a danger to his life, so that's already the greatest yomtiv. And, and again, that's even had he been sent for three years for exile. But the fact that in the end it turned out that this was the beginning of what happened a week later, that they let him leave Russia completely, sent him out of Russia, and um, which was an incredible miracle, this was only found out a week later. So that's the, that's what Chagag, what, what the day represents, a day that initially is dark, but then later retroactively. And that's how the Lubavitcher Rebbe, the Rebbe um, defined this day a year before the last time he spoke to us on Shabbos, Pashas, Kairach, Gimel Tamas, 57, 51. That's what the Rebbe said about this day. The next year the Rebbe couldn't talk anymore because it was after his stroke, which happened on the 27th day of um, Adar. And then two years later he had a second stroke on the 27th, same day, 27th day of Adar, which obviously shows everybody that we're dealing with what's called Himmelish Azachen. We're dealing with uh, 
godly things, godly occurrences that are way beyond our understanding. And then in the summer, on the third day of Tammuz, on Matzah Shabbos, in the year 5754, Tafshin Nun the Jewish world was struck with the shocking news, and Chassidim were beside themselves that um, the Rebbe passed away. And I was there, and I went to the funeral, and uh, it was just a, a horrible day. I can't even describe the horror, the shock, the frustration. I believe with my full heart that the Lubavitcher Rebbe is Moshiach, taking the Jewish people out of exile, um, not just because I made it up. That's what the Rebbe was saying from week after week in the Sichas. He was implying it and saying these words, I am Moshiach, but I discussed it quite a lot. The Rebbe very... <laughs> He said it in every way possible, stopping short of saying, I am Moshiach, but he said it in, and even allowed the Chabad Svarim to be printed. The fact that he is, it's his organization printing books, and the Chabad Svarim were allowed to be printed with Mem Hemi Mem, meaning Melech HaMoshiach. Uh, that to me means uh, a complete endorsement. Not only that, the year that after the Rebbe had the stroke, the Rebbe was out every single day on the porch, and the Chassidim sang to him, Long live our king, our master, Melech HaMashiach. And the Rebbe nodded and encouraged and encouraged and encouraged for an entire year. And everybody knew that people at that, that time asked the Rebbe life and death questions. And everybody listened. It wasn't the question that the Rebbe's mind was with him. And he answered and he answered. And to this song, the Rebbe just encouraged it, encouraged it, encouraged it, encouraged it with all his being. So it was clear to us that the Rebbe is Mashiach Tzedkenu. And when he passed away, it was beyond... It was utter disbelief. I remember just getting sick. I just wasn't, wasn't feeling well for two days. I had this banging headache. I just couldn't come to myself. And and I was just a newcomer to Chabad at that time. I was just in, in it for two years. Uh, Hasidim that were in it for all. This, this was just beyond. And it was, again, there was no one to carry on and a successor and the whole thing. And you know, the predictions about Lubavitch would fall apart and so on and so forth were very dire. Now, obviously, Bar Hashem Lubavitch survived and it grew and the and, and, and the great shlichus um, of bringing Yiddishkeit across the world quadrupled, more than quadrupled, and the shluchim going out still today to the four corners of the world, reaching every single Jew, uplifting every broken heart. I mean, I drove through America now, and you see all the countries, and all the, I didn't actually visit Chabad houses, but you know, going through all the towns and places in the middle of Yohopitzville, uh, middle of nowhere, in Wyoming, and uh, I met someone, I put him on Tefillin, and the guy, the guy was excited. He asked me, how did I know that he's Jewish? Because he said to me, do you know Zalmi? And I said, he's a guy, a hotel clerk in the middle of Jackson, not even Jackson, in a place called Victor, Montana. I arrived at 10 o'clock at night, and I met him, and we were leaving in the morning. So we, so we put him on film, and so um, who was thinking of Jews in Victor, Montana. In any case, Lubavitch um, Baruch Hashem survived, and everything is great. Um, then we're now, since then, you know, the official take in Chabad, and I know this, and everybody knows, is most of Lubavitch in terms of the outward shlucha and so on and so forth. Um, look at the day of Gimel Tammuz as a very somber day, a very meaningful day, a very deep day, and a day of Iskashras, a day of deep bonding. This is the yard site of Lubavitch Rebbe, the leader of the generation. It's not a secret that Lubavitch Rebbe referred to himself, to his father-in-law. He never really spoke of himself directly, but as his father-in-law, was the Nasi Hadar, the leader of the generation. And um, and therefore, this is like, and, 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 and those who are a little familiar with Chabad teachings know that the Rebbe referred himself to his leadership, to his father-in-law, which he was, 
he once said, you know, Ruchai Bikirvi, his, his, his spirit is in me, right? like it's one soul, one being. So um, the Rebbe refers to always to, to the Rebbe as, as Nasi, the, the, the Nasi of the generation, and the Moshe Rabbeinu of the generation. So the day being, the day of, the, of our Moshe Rabbeinu, it's a very deep day, very powerful day. So it's a day of Fabrengans, and a day obviously, Chassidus never allows for sadness and depression. So it's it's celebrated, but as a strong yoyim hilula, they have a yard site. Then there are what what people call the crazies, the kooks in Lavavich. Those are the kooks who are steadfast in their amuna and their faith, and say that you know, you know, after everything we've seen and after what the Rebbe said and so on and so forth, um, what we are seeing, what happened, is not poshut. What looks like an astalkus and a passing and a lavaya and it is. <laughs> That's the way things look to our eyes, but this is a grand test on the grand scheme of things. Um, and people have always, you know, seen these two, and, and again, and, and the amount of people that believe this, they we're dealing with in the thousands, thousands and thousands of chassidim across the world, and but all over. Even amongst those who don't officially say it, there are still another few thousands that believe this. Um, I myself was not a, I was deep inside in my life, I was generally belonged Bepinimius to this camp because when you saw what you saw and you beheld what you beheld, the fact that you have a question regarding a physical episode, it's a question. It was something bothering me and something that, but definitely I wasn't too vocal about this and something that I didn't speak about and something that I didn't share. And more than that, I was very uncomfortable sharing it with others because people, you know, no one wants to be looked at as a kook. As a, as a, as a, you know, as as a little off off the wall. Um, a couple of years ago, I started investigating and learning it more, and getting opening up the books again and rereading all those inspiring sikhs that the Rebbe said in the years 57, 51, and 52. And I realized that if I am a chassid and I believe that the Rebbe Moshe Emes v'Tayrasa Emes, then um, I, I, I there is no way. To, for me to interpret this any other way than what we are seeing now on Gimel Tammuz is not what it is. And and again, and I, I'm not going to do that now because I've given many shiurim on this and anybody that wants to listen, how can it be and what and where and when and what's with Mashiach having to be from the living and so on and so forth. Um, there is a lot and that's not the point of tonight's class. Um, what I do want to share particularly tonight is something very unique that I think pertain, that pertains to Gimel Tammuz that I was inspired a couple of months ago you know when Dafa Yoimi completed Shas um, I'm always inspired <laughs> when Jews are learning Torah it always inspires me I love Torah and I want to learn Torah now for most of my life after my yeshiva years I was mainly drawn to Pnimi Torah. I have to make a public confession I, I uh, neglected a little bit the study of the revealed elements of Torah, the, 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 the Gemara and so on and so forth, and I delved in with all my heart and soul into the esoteric elements of the Hasidus, Kabbalah and so on and so forth. That's where I felt my, my neshama is drawn to. Um, not that I didn't learn at all, but not, not, not giving it the amount of it. And it's always bothered me. So every time Dafa Yoimi comes around, uh, the circle and they finish us and think, oh, Gavald, you got to learn all of Talmud. I didn't learn that. According to the Alter Rebbe, every single year has got to learn the entire Torah. I mean, I'm saying according to the Alter Rebbe, it's, it's according to Allah. And if you're able to learn the whole Torah. So I was re inspired. Now, to do a Dafa Yoimi for whatever reason, Chabad wasn't something that was 
for whatever reason, I'm not going to get into it, whether he learned Dafa Yeriminah, but it was never, I should say, encouraged in the Chabad world, Dafa Yeriminah. He was always encouraged that a yid has to, that, a, that every chassid has to learn a masechta, which again, I neglected, but it encouraged that a chassid should learn one masechta every year, every year a masechta. But not, you know, Chabad, you know, learning Dafa Yoimi sometimes is, makes you learn Gemara very superficial, because you're in a rush, you got to finish a whole page. You learn, you know, as much as you can learn every day. But at least when they started Baruchas, I started learning Masechta's Baruchas, and thank God I'm continuing now. Uh, and I try to learn, now I'm learning Gemara every day. And <laughs> Mazel Tov. Um, and Baruch Hashem, I'm enjoying it immensely. Uh, but I came across, in that study, I came across a passage in the Talmud, that like just blew up in my face. And I said, wow, this is the Gemara sharing with us something, a secret very, very deep. And it, and to me, it, it pertains to Gimel Tamas. And you know, you're welcome to agree or disagree, you know, I'm not, I'm not over here saying Torah's Moshe, the Torah of Moshe Rabbeinu. I'm, I'm, I'm teaching my, my own insight, my interpretation on this passage of the Talmud. So this is in, 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 in tractate Masechtas Baruchas, Fascinating Gemara. Gemara Davtes, page number nine, Amid the Beis, the second uh, chart, the second uh, half of the second side of the Gemara. Gemara is talking about the mid, the um, the Gemara is talking about saying. Um, The Gemara is talking about smichas geula letfila. Smichas geula letfila means that we are very highly encouraged that when we daven every day, we daven Shmona Esrei, which is right, the Amida, the 18 blessings, which really is 19 blessings today because the sages added one more. So when we say Shmona Esrei, that we should attach the Shmona Esrei, which is tefillah, Ligaula to, to 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 the blessing which is discussing the redemption of the Jewish people. What do we mean? So if you daven Shachris, we know that Shema, which we say before Shemona Esrei, comes along with it, is is accompanied by blessings called Birchas Kriyashma. Now there are two blessings that are said prior to the Shema, and there's one blessing that's said after the Shema in the morning. So the one blessing that said afterwards is called the, the bracha of v'yatziv v'nachayin, or the way we refer to it in Talmud, emes v'yatziv. Krishma really a, ends by the word ani Hashem elokeichem, and then the word emes is ready the beginning of the of the of the next blessing, and it ends. It concludes with barachat Hashem ga'al um, Yisrael, the redeemer of Israel. So. The Gemara is speaking about that there is a virtue and there is an importance of connecting Geula, which is the blessing of the redemption, to prayer and not making any interruption in between them. Now we know it's a very serious place. You're not supposed to make any interruptions. Even interruptions that we're allowed to make in that part of davening over there between Geula and Tefillah, you're not supposed to say anything. So the, the Talmud says it's a very great thing. You're supposed to do that. The Gemara actually says that anybody who does this continuously, at the day that a person is he won't concur any damage. No hezek will happen to him. Interesting. Reb actually asks, the Gemara brings Reb says, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? But there won't be any, 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 um, if someone says 
the, the, the blessing of the Geula and connecting it. First of all, today everybody davens that way. And sometimes people do have a damage show. But Rabbi Zeyra said, I, I have done that. And then one day that I did it, that was Saimech Geula Litzvila, I had a damage. So the Gemara says, what's the damage that you had? That you were told that you have to bring Hadassim to the king. He was... He needed to pay a certain tax. And it had to do with bringing myrtle branches, providing myrtle branches for the palace. It was a cost. It was a financial loss for him because he had to do this. Why they pay? Maybe he got a fine. I'm not exactly sure what happened. But it happened on the day that he did it easy. So the Gemara challenges Rebzer. This is important for later. Remember this passage. So the Gemara challenges Rebzer. The Gemara says, that's called a damage? You got, you got to see the king. And even though he's not a Jewish king, the Gemara brings Rabbi Yochanan says that a person, even in today's days, um, the Gemara brings Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan said, um, hold on, here we are. Um, oh. A person should always run towards seeing uh, kings of Israel. Not only towards seeing Jewish kings, even regarding seeing kings of nations, a Gentile king, you should also run to see a king. Because if you're going to merit to be alive when Mashiach comes, our generation, you'll be able to see the difference between the kings of Israel and the Malchai Akum. You merit to be there alive when Mashiach comes. And if you're never going to see a, a gentile king so you won't have anybody to compare it to when you'll see this splendor and the honor given to Melech HaMashiach unlike any other honor given to any human being ever by the entire world so um, you're not going to have you'll think okay that's that's done for any emperor any king mm-hmm. but now that you've seen um, now that you've seen um the what what is done to um, how how the you'll see the big parades that are done for a regular king, then you'll see the greatness of Melech Hamashiach. You'll understand and appreciate. So therefore, even if it costed you, even if it, even if you had a financial loss, it's worth it. That's what the Gemara says to Reb Zayr. The Gemara also brings that one of the sages says that I saw this and this person, this great rabbi. And he, on a day that he connected these two blessings, the blessing of Geula to the blessing of Shemona Esrei to Tzvilah, and his smile did not get off his face. His laughter, was, he, was, he, was, he was smiling and like laughing the entire day. So obviously it's a very great thing to connect Geula to Tzvilah. These two should always be attached to each other. Fine. Then the Gemara says... But I have a question. How can you say that we're supposed to be when we dive in, we all know that before Shemona Esrei, we say a certain verse. It's a passage from Tehillim. We say, Hashem sefosai tiftach, God, open up my mouth, and my mouth will say, Tehillah secha, your praises. That possible. Hashem sefosai tiftach, Tehillah secha, we added in before Shmona Ezra. 
It's not part of Shemona Ezra. It's a, it's a passage. I think it's a pasuk in Tehillim. Almost 100% sure. Shem Sfasai Tiftach. Sorry, I, 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 because I was traveling, I wanted to look over this passage of the Talmud just to prepare uh-huh. a little better for the Shear. And I, I got in here too late, and I couldn't do that. So I'm a little bit uh, frazzled. Uh, but you'll bear with, bear with me. Here we are. Uh, okay, yeah. No, doesn't bring the whole Pasuk, so he's not on the side telling us where this Pasuk is. I'm almost sure it's in Tehillim. I'm just tired. If I wouldn't be tired, I would remember clearly where it is in Tehillim. I would, but my head is not working that well. Sorry. Okay, hold on. You're supposed to say... Here we are. Yeah, in chapter 51 in Tehillim, verse 17, Hashem Svasei Tiftoch. And at the end of Shemona Esra, you say the Pasuk, let it be for goodwill, the words of my mouth. So, if we say every day, the Pasuk, um, Hashem Svasei Tiftoch, so Hashem Svasei Tiftoch then is an interruption. If it's an interruption, then it's then 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 we're not when we we're not putting close redemption the prayer we're, we're making a half set so the gemara says the gemara just tries to give an answer anyways the gemara in the end says it's not a problem because it's not considered a division it's not considered a separation um why is that verse not considered an interruption because since the rabbis instituted it it's considered like a long tefillah. The Pasuk Hashem Tiftach is considered like Shmona Esrei. It's one continuum of Shmona Esrei. That's what the Gemara says. It's a long Shmona Esrei. Tefillah Arichta, it's a long Shmona Esrei. So it's as if you're starting Shmona Esrei with the words Hashem Svasai. And you just said Barachat Hashem Goel Yisrael. So there's no interruption. Gemara says, I'll prove it to you. Because by Myriv, this that was supposed to say Geula next to Tefillah is by Shachris. And by Myriv, by the evening prayer as well. By the evening prayer, by Myriv, we know, we also say the bracha, Barachat Hashem Goal Yisrael. But we don't start Shemona Esrei. We say another bracha. What's the bracha that we say? We say the bracha of Hashkivenu. That's the blessing. The blessing of Hashkivenu was said at that time. So the Gemara says it's clear that what? That you have an interruption. You're supposed to say Geula, Tetvilah, and we're saying that extra blessing, Hashkivenu. When Hashkivenu is a blessing, we we're davening Hashem to help us have a peaceful night. Hashem should put us to sleep in, in peace, and He should help us get up in the morning, and He should protect us from all kinds of possible uh, um, da- damages and various different things that can happen during the night. Should you remove enemy and this and that, and the, and the, and the Satan and Satan and all the, all the problems that can get in our way. We should have a peaceful night. Um, so that's a tefillah, it's a blessing. But it's a whole, you know, six, seven sentences, I would say, five, six sentences, and it's an interruption. How then are we fulfilling this great virtue of putting Gula to the feet. So the Gemara says, so what do you have to say by Meirev? 
So again, by Shachris, you only have, in the morning prayer, you only have one Pasuk, Hashem Svasei Tiftach. But by my rib, in addition to Hashem Svasei Tiftach, you have a whole blessing, Hashkivenu, which is not Geula, and that's interrupted. So the Gemara says, no problem with Hashkivenu. There is no problem with Hashkivenu. Why? Kivan the Tkinu li Rabbanon. Since it was the rabbis who instituted this blessing, Ketfila arichte damye, it's a long tefillah. It's as if Shemayna Esrei starts by Hashkivenu. This is what the Gemara says. I'm reading the Gemara and I'm saying something. This thing doesn't sound right. Hashkivenu is a blessing. You're, be, you're asking the Abish to put me to sleep at night. Okay, it's a nice, important blessing and it's an important tefillah. What do you mean? This is a tefillah arichta, something you're making Shmon Esrei longer. Shmon Esrei, Shmon Esrei, the 18 blessings. It brings it. Baruch HaTashem, How in the world is is um, is Hashkivenu part of, of Shemayin Ezra? doesn't make any sense. I, I, I understand you can't get away with one verse, one puzzle. Because there you're saying, Hashem Svasek Tiftach, you're asking God to help you pray. Open my mouth so I can pray to you. My mouth should say a prayer. So that can be kind of swallowed up by Shemayin Ezra. But suddenly you're starting Shemayin Ezra with Hashem it just doesn't fit. It, halachically, it's not that way. It doesn't have the same laws as Shemona Esrei. What do you mean? It's Ketfila Arichtedam. It's like one Tefila. So, so it hit me then that there is something, a hidden secret that's going on over here. What's the Indian of Smila with Tefila? So those who learned a little Chassidus know Tefila represents We know that there is mashpia and makabel. There is the influencer, and there is the recipient, makabel. Um, the whole system of existence is set up with mashpia and makabel, male and female, husband and wife, ish v'ish. And we know that the purpose, and it, as it ref, as it refers to the divine, it's it's. Um, my wife was just telling me the other day. That, um, that she had this person who came to deliver avocados. So um, it's uh, you know a, a a yid. He has an avocado farm. Um, it's called a farm or whatever, and he sells avocados to the local to, to people in, in Los Angeles. She found his number, and so he came and delivered an avocado. So he's telling her that there are female avocados and there are male avocados. The ones that everybody likes are the female avocados. The male avocados are not good. But in order for the female avocados to grow well, there has to be male avocado trees. Because it, it, that's the way it works. That maybe through the pollen of the bees, I'm not exactly sure how it, how it connects the two, but there has to be, so it's interesting, even amongst the plants, there's the males and there's the females. And um, we know heaven and earth is male and female. Heaven is, in, in, in Torah, it refers to objects and animals, all kinds of stuff in male and a female. Okay, in animal, we know for sure male and female human, male and female. And heaven is the male, and the earth is female. This represents in all levels of existence. And even in Hashem, Kabbalistically, there is the Shekhinah, which represents the feminine element of the divine, which is God's indwelling within the world. And then there is a Kadir Baruch the transcendental infinite light. The purpose of all of our Torah and mitzvahs and everything that we do is to unify a Baruch and the Shekhinah. 
And that's Moshiach. Moshiach is the unification. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is called Geula, because he's re- that's the power of redemption, because he's infinite and ain't soft, so there's no mitzarim, there's no limitations, there's no golos. Shechina, a lot of times we refer to Shechinta Bigalusa. Shechina is an even more constricted state. She has to be re- taken out of her constriction. How does she get out of her constrictions? Through her yichud with her husband. And that's the meaning of being Saimah. Geula Tetfilah. Tefilah is Shechina. Malchus, which is Shechina, is called is called is called tefillah. Vani tefillah. I am tefillah. He's referring to Shechina is always davening. She's davening. She's crying out. She's revealing her love, her yearning, her passion, her thirst for godly, godly download. And um, the 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 yesayit, which is the final sphera of the masculine, that's called geula. Um, Smichas Gula Latvila is so important because that's the whole purpose of creation is this is this fusion of Gula and Tfila. You unify the two. And that's Mashiach. So we have to very be very careful not to make an interruption. There should be a very smooth transition from Gula to Tfila. We know in the greater um, sphere these spheros, these attributes, these divine attributes have ma- manifested in various different tzaddikim. For instance, we have the seven ushbizim that come to our sukkah. They call seven royim, seven shepherds. So Avram, we know, is manifestation of chesed. Yitzchak is Gavura, Yaakov is Teferes, Moshe is Netzach, Aaron HaKohen is Hod, Yosef is Yesod, David HaMelech is Malchus. See that the, the tzaddikim, very, very great tzaddikim, their souls are conduits for these energies, for these godly, godly manifestations. Just like it was in the beginning of time, there was also in the end of time, as Mashiach comes, there is also a manifestation of these powerful attributes of the divine within the world. So the seven Chabad Rabbeim, and this is something the Rebbe himself spoke about, and are the, are the manifestations of these divine channels of godly light into this world. Wherever, how we ever set the system up, Alter Rebbe sometimes is referred to as Chachmah, that we're not working through the system of seven, but sometimes he's seen as the attribute of Chesed, the Mittler Rebbe Gevura, seven Sadiq. According to that system, previous Lubavitcher Rebbe is Yisait, which is the end of the masculine energies. The Rebbe, seventh Tzadik, is Tefillah, is Malchus, Malchus is Tefillah. I'm not going to get into the whole way you see in the Rebbe's style and everything that he's, his entire persona is a persona of Malchus, of kingship. There's a lot to talk about that. The idea of smichas geulo you see an interesting thing. From all the Chabad Rabbeim, you've never seen such an attachment of two, of two Rebbe's, of two tzaddikim, that were inseparable. And that is the previous Lubavitch Rebbe, his name is Yosef. Yosef Yitzchak, Yosef is Yesod. And his connection to the Rebbe, they, always the Rebbe stood by his side like the most loyal chassid. Much more than that, the entire leadership of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, there isn't two minutes in his, in his world where he, I mean, two minutes. And his constant verb, his constant talk, every single time, he's always mentioning continuously his father-in-law. father as if he's not even, he doesn't even exist. It's just his father-in-law, the Rebbe de Shver. And you would have thought that he would carry on with that for 10 years, 15 years. But once he's Rebbe ready, and he's, he increased Chabad, uh, the, 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 the kingdom of Chabad, the, the, the empire of Chabad, it became tenfold, twentyfold, a uh, hundred times as much as great as when it was in the days of the previous Rebbe. 
he would kind of see himself as Rebbe. No, he's always just... Because that's the way it is. Malchus is, needs to receive from Yisod. And that's the idea of smichas ge'ula le'tefillah. You have to keep the two continuously connected. Now, tefillah, malchus, what's malchus? Malchus really, tefillah really means the full manifestation of malchus in all of her glory. After she receives the lights from all the higher spheres, she fully integrates it and then reveals her kingship in the world. That's Moshiach. That's called tefillah. Tefillah is from the word naftule elikim niftalti. It comes from the word attached. When Malchus is fully ta- attached to the higher spheres, together with her come her entire family, which what's her family? The worlds, the three lower worlds, Bria, Yetzir, and Asiya, primarily the world of Asiya. When it's completely synchronized and attached, and all of creation is perfectly, perfectly unified with God, where Hashem's light is per- perfectly revealing Himself in all of creation, that's tefillah, that's attachment. There is complete connection. We know when we're dominating Shimon Esrei, even in our physical bodies, we are in a state of just a total conduit for godliness. That's why by Shimon Esrei, we stand, we don't move, and we can't even talk. The words that are coming out of our mouth is almost not like, like it's not us talking, it's like God speaking through us. It's not even our words, it's the bitl of, we know in Hasidus, it's called the bitl of. <coughs> bitl of Bimetzius, the bitl of Atzilus, as if we have no existence. So that's the, the state of existence as it's going to be when Mashiach comes. So here's an interesting thing. The Gemara says there can't be an interruption between Geula and Tefillah. That means that from the period of time of Geula, which is what we said earlier, these are the earlier tzaddikim, which all represent the power of Geula, from the Balshemta really, is when the powers of redemption started to reveal itself in the world. It's interesting, the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe is the one who started this whole messianic fervor in Lubavitch. It was all started by the previous Rebbe. Friedrich Rebbe drove it in a way much stronger than his predecessors. Why? Because Yesaid is Geula. So he started with immediately Tshuva, immediately Geula. But he's the power of Geula, coming from the... From, but the Rebbe always says that in his name, his two names are Shaykh to the Geula. Yosef is Yosef Hashem Shainus Yadav, that Hashem will send out his hand a second time. And Yitzchak is referring to the great laughter, Az Yomali Pinu, the laughter that's going to be when Mashiach comes. Tfilah is already the days of Mashiach. That's already the, it flows into. So the previous Rebbe flows into the Rebbe. The Rebbe is already Malchus, which is supposed to manifest the full, complete Malchus of Melech HaMashiach. Now it's interesting. The first 40 years of the Rebbe's leadership is the Chibur of Geula Tetzila, where the, the seventh Rebbe and the sixth Rebbe are attached with absolute attachment. But at a certain point, Tfila is supposed to become the dominant one, which is the full, the full revelation of the Ebershtus Malchus in this world. And we know when that, that's going to happen. We know Malchus is going to rise. The woman, the feminine element, is going to rise above the masculine. So the woman is going to exceed her husband. She's going to go higher and higher. And Malchus is going to be higher than all the attributes. And that's when tefillah, that's Geula leads into tefillah. But once tefillah establishes itself in its ultimate establishment, that's already Yeboi Mashiach and the full revelation of Malchus on its highest level. So, the, But we have to always keep Geula and tefillah attached. So the Gemara says, but I have a problem. What's the problem? We say, we have a bracha called Hashkiveinu. 
What's the story with Hashkiveinu? Sorry, just a second here. What's the story with Hashkiveinu? So the Gemara is asking a frightening question. In between the period of Geula, which is again, from when the previous Rebbe started, really the Friedrich Rebbe's Nasius in general, previous Rebbe's leadership. It's all the energy of Geula to the world. Really starting from the Bolshemtov, especially from the, from the, from the Alter Rebbe, where, where the teachings of Hashem Achad started to come to the world. It's all the power of Geula flowing to the world. It has to flow directly into Tefillah. Suddenly there is a situation when Hashkiveinu, Hashkiveinu means put me to sleep. Now we know that Hashkiveinu means when when the relating to a person after they're passing away, um, you do a Hashkava, which is related to the going to sleep this time for, I, won't, I don't say forever, because a Jew will never sleep forever, because we believe in the resurrection, Tchiaz is coming. But that's called Hashkiveinu. So the Gemara is referring to there is going to be a period which is Hashkivenu, which Hashkivenu is the period of Gimel Tammuz, where there seems to be an interruption between the energies of Geula. And as again, as he said, this power of Geula, this godly power started by the previous Rebbe, only intensified as the seventh Rebbe plugged into the previous Rebbe to the, to the sixth one and was bringing that power of Geula across the entire world and, and demanding that all of us should cry out Masai. We should break open the doors for, for the revelation, for the ultimate revelation of Mashiach was becoming so strong and so intense and we were already standing by the gates of tefillah, of the full attachment of our world being elevated to the level of Atzilus, like, like we're standing Shemayin Esrei, and the whole world would be totally unified with God. We're holding Mamish at the moment of Ahay Hashem Lamelech HaKol Aretz, and suddenly, trach! What happens? Hashkiveinu, Gimel Tamuz happens, and there's a hefzik, there's an interruption, and it's frightening, and it's scary, and we're confused. So the Gemara says, don't be a fool. Since the Rabbanon are the ones who instituted that there should be Hashkiveinu, this period of the Hashkiveinu period, which is lasting already the last 26 years, was initiated by the Rabbanon. It was called for. I'm going to see soon what that means. And therefore, it's not an interruption. It's not Hashkiveinu a derailment like some people think that there was a period that that Mashiach was on his way it's supposed to happen it was supposed to come and something went off it was a glitch we didn't deserve we messed it up and it's over farting go to sleep wait another 200 years till some Mashiach let's close Kratzen and come from somewhere the Gemara is saying no 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 Hashkiveinu is part already of Tfilo the Yisgalos of Mashiach even though it involves a Gimel Talmud situation and a Hashkiveinu, with all that it encompasses, with an oil and going to the oil and davening and all that, that's a situation. Can't deny that. But you should know it's Ketfilah It's all one Tefillah. Why? And I'll take you back, and everybody knows where did where did Gimel Talmud begin. Gimel Tamas didn't start in Gimel Tamas. Gimel Tamas started, everybody knows, Chavzai Nodah when the Rebbe had the stroke. But it didn't start in Chavzai Nodah. It started 11 months before Chavzai Nodah when the Rebbe gave the frightening sikh 
of Chavachat Siva, which is initially is frightening. If you read it again and again, you realize it's not frightening. What the Rebbe was doing then, it was the biggest favor for the Jewish people. And he was telling us that he's done whatever he can, and now he's giving it over to us. That means that we need to be partners with him in bringing Mashiach, which is a very big compliment, because he's complimenting at us, and he's telling us, listen, hey, Yidin, you have the Koyach, Sidim, and Yidin Bechlal, you have the Koyach, you can bring the Geula. And I'm not going to do it, because the whole Geula, the whole purpose, the whole union of this Geula, it has to come from within the world. It has to be permanent. It has to be real. It has to be absolute. For it to be real, for it to be absolute, it can be a, a, a power coming from a great tzaddik that's above us. And he's sweeping us into the Giyula. By the way, that's the whole teichen of the Rebbe's talk of Gimel Talmud's Parshas Koyrach 57-51 is where he speaks this Indian mamish that that's the whole content of Gimel Talmud's is that it should not be something and I'm, again, I spoke about it in other years. You can listen to it. It should not be a geula that's going to be his geula, that we're just being carried along on his wings, but it has to be ours. And that's the meaning. And when the Rebbe saw that, what? That we're still not taking him seriously. And when we're not taking him seriously at all, because as long as he's standing over there waving his hand and driving the geula, we're just completely lost in his light, instead of us taking the initiative, instead of us borrowing through and us realizing that we have the greatest chus and we have the responsibility to do something so we chickened out and we got scared so so he saw that we're not we're not taking the responsibility so what did he do so there had to be a a concealment a time where he's kind of moving into the background as if he's not here as if powers of Geula, the power of the Goyel, of the Redeemer, is not here. Enabling the Jewish people, Chassidim, to do the work on their own. Since that's the case, you should know that the Geula was never derailed. And the last 26 is one Hemshech. 26 years is one continuum of Geula in this world. It's not a Hefzik. It's, it's it might halachically not be considered Shemayna Esrei because you don't have all the Giluyim of Yemaisa Mashiach yet and you still have agony and corona and riots and death and terrorism and all kinds of horrible stuff and that's why it's a very period it's a difficult period what do you do during the time what do you say in Hashkideinu you're dominating remove the satan from before me me'acharenu remove from me enemy dever we're asking God protect me for dever it's this period of time Dever means a plague. We've had a plague. We've had terrorism. We've had uh, children going off the derech, being being people getting cold in their Yiddishkeit. We've sat on the fun. We've had everything during this period of Hashkiveinu. But you should know that Hashkiveinu, Kitfila, Arich, Dami, it's all connected to the period of the Giyula. And it's not an interruption. Now, So, okay, maybe, yeah, it's a nice peerage, but is it really the pshat? First of all, I think it makes much more sense than the regular pshat, that we're dealing with, make the distance, what sense is Hashkivenu This already gives you a more of a panemiistic understanding of what's going on over here. But let's take it a step deeper. We're to the next stage, rather, another part of the when you put these pieces together, I think it becomes very clear. The Gemara continues with something we say 
the Pasuk we say before Shemayin Asrein, there's a Pasuk we say after Shemayin Asrein. The Pasuk we say after Shemayin Asrein is the Pasuk, Yehila Ratzayin in Refi. Let it be to goodwill the words of my mouth. So again, before Shemayin Asrein, we say the Pasuk, Hashem Shlasei Tiftach, open my mouth. And um, after Shemayin Asrein, we say another Pasuk from Tehillim. It's not part of Shemayin Asrein. This Pasuk is in the end of chapter 19 in Tehillim. Let it be to find favor, the words of my mouth, the Hegim Libi, and the thoughts of my heart. Should be Lefanecha, Hashem Tzuri, Hashem my rock, the Gayali, and my redeemer. So the Gemara asks a question. How come we say that Pasuk? The Gemara says, has two meanings. It can mean. Imrei fi, let it be to goodwill the words of my mouth that I am going to say, the words that I am going to say in the future. Or yilarotz and imrei fi vehegin the words that I said already. It can mean both regarding the past, future, and regarding the past. So if it can mean both, why don't we say yilarotz in the beginning of Shema? Before we start Shema, we should daven that my words in my mouth should be accepted on high. Why don't we wait till after Shema? So the Gemara says because you know what David Melech waited. Till after Shmoyne I'm sorry. Since David Amelech raided till after eight, after his Esrei, we'll see what that means to say this pasuk. So we also say the pasuk after Shmoyne Esrei. What does it mean? David Amelech said this pasuk after 18 chapters. At the conclusion of the 18th chapter, David Amelech says Yilarotz and Emrefin. So just like David says it at the end of 18 chapters, so we also wait 18 blessings and then we say Yilarotz. Following. So the Gemara asks, what do you mean? It's not 18 chapters, it's 19 chapters. Because the Pasuk Yilaratzen is the end of Perek Yutes. Not the end of Yutches, which is 18, but the end of Yutes. So how come we're saying it after 18 chapters? Now the truth is, today's days we say it after 19 blessings. Because we add, the Lamal Shinim was added to Shemona Esrei. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a blessing that we're praying for the uh, for Hashem to destroy the forces of darkness in this world and so on and so forth. So we added, that was added on to later, at a much later period. Uh, so us really, it's in the end of 19. But initially, when it was instituted, Shemona Esrei was only 18. So uh, why are we saying it after 18 when David Amel said it after 19? So the Gemara gives a very interesting answer. No, it's really only after 18 chapters. Why? Because in Tehillim, the first two chapters, Ashreya Ish, which is the beginning of Tehillim, fortunate is the man who did not walk in the ways of the wicked, and the next capital, which is Lama Rakshu Goyim, why are the nations um, making a commotion? Lama Rakshu Goyim, why are they making a, a, a tumult? Why are the nations uh, congregating? So that's Perek Aleph and Perek Beis of Tehillim. The Gemara says they maybe they look like they're two chapters, but they're really one chapter. They're one chapter. So it's interesting. Same thing. The Gemara is similar to what it said earlier. Before it said that Hashkivenu is really part of Shmanesra. Now the Gemara is saying that chapter 1 and chapter 2 in Tehillim are really one chapter. They're not two. It, in our Tehillim it's divided as two, but it's really it's one. Why? How do you know that? So the Gemara proves it. Because because um, so and so said, I forgot his name, let me take a look over here. Because Reb, Reb Shmuel Bar Nachmani said in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, the Gemara actually gives two reasons. I'm going to give only the second reason. The Gemara gives two reasons why 
how we know that it's the first two chapters are one. But he brings, the name of Rabbi Yochanan, every parsha that was Chaviva al David, every parsha that David Melech really appreciated or loved that was precious in him. I mean, every, David Melech was the author of Tehillim. If he really loved one of his compositions, one of his songs, one of his psalms, he began it with Ashrei and he concluded it with Ashrei. The first, and referring to what? Referring to the first chapter of Tehillim. It starts with Ashrei Ha'ish. But when you look at the end of Perak Aleph, it doesn't end with Ashrei. So what is it referring to? Ah, because the end of the second chapter ends with Ashrei. Ashrei Kochai Seibai. So this is what he's referring to. This, the first chapter of Tehillim was very precious to David HaMelech. Since it was so chavid by him, he liked it so much, he started with Ashrei, and he concluded with Ashrei. Ashrei Ha'ish is the beginning. Ashrei Kochai So you see, it's one of the proofs that the first and second chapter are really one, one parak. Again, same weird kind of situations. One, it's two. If it's one, why does it look like two? What's going on? I'm thinking about this, and it occurred to me as follows. When David HaMelech is starting to heal, and he's saying, Ashrei Ish, fortunate is the man who's not going to be persuaded by the wicked, who Moshe relates and doesn't sit with, doesn't care about the scoffers. Who is he talking about? Ashrei Ish, fortunate is the man. You can say, you're talking about every good, fine Jew, whatever, every fine human being. He's referring to Ha'ish, the man. Ish is, even though the highest name for man is Adam, but we know Ish is referring to Moshe Rabbeinu. It says, Ish Moshe, the man Moshe. Talking about the man. David Melech is talking about his progeny. He's talking about his, his grandson. He's talking about his, who is he referring to? He's talking about the ultimate human being. He's talking about Moshiach Tzadkenu. That's what he mentions right at the beginning of the hill, because he is the ultimate human being that everything is, that's the Ashrei Ish. Now, in the period of this Ish, this man, which is Melech HaMashiach, his reign, his kingship, his leadership, is going to be one leadership, but it's going to be divided in two periods. You see, the second part, the second chapter of Tehillim, is as you see clearly in the Gemara later, in the same the same Gemara in Daf Yud, the Gemara later, and then all the Mefarshim on the chapter of Tehillim when it says, "Why are the nations congregating? They want to fight against God. They're 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 there. and Hashem is laughing at them, and He's going to make a mockery out of them, right?" He says, "I already established my king." That's all referring to the war of Armageddon, the war of Gog and Magog, the pre-Mashiach era, is the second chapter of the Hillel. David HaMelech is already speaking about the end. Now it makes sense, why is he speaking about him then? Since in the first chapter, which is one with the second chapter as we see, he's talking about Mashiach. So he's talking about those who want to fight Mashiach and how their plans and everything they're going to do is going to be ruined. The wars of Ar- for those who listen to my, to my many classes in the past, have realized that it doesn't have to be a physical war. It's a war to stop Moshiach, which is something that started over the last 26 years or so, 27, 28 years. Once we hit 57, 50, 
which is Friday afternoon, midday, and Mashiach is ready to come to the world, it's at that time, and the word job is over, we'll have a big, big, big congregation of enemies who are going to fight Mashiach. And you've seen it, and I've discussed it. People tried to force a peace plan that was going to tear Eretz Yisrael to pieces. They tried to take away Jerusalem from the Jewish people. They tried to do all kinds of... And, and it was a war. The general atmosphere in the world was a war against holiness, against god, godliness, of, against religion, against so on and so forth. In many ways, and I'm not going to go through right now, but this is all part of this Armageddon war that's taking place. It's a fight against Kedusha. It's a fight against anything that stands for morality and holiness and godliness in the world. It became very evident and became very, very chutzpahdik and very, very strong in the 1990s. It continued on for many, many years. The past election in the United States 2016 when the current president, President Trump, became president was a slap in the face for this entire movement. It gave it such a, whether it was the Europeans, where, and you can see it's a godly thing, this whole, this whole business, because you can see the chaos. You can see that there isn't the day that it's not basically causing such upsetness and such anger and such craziness that's happening and opposition and fighting. And from the day one that he became president or even before he became president, already everything was done to try to stop the man. And he's done amazing things. Right. So now I'm going to say something. I completely disagree with what he's doing now with this peace uh, initiative. On the one hand, um, the announcement regarding annexation of it's not really annexation. It's it's uh, the, 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 the claiming sovereignty over the whole Jordan Valley is a good thing. It's our land, and it was given to us by the Abish there. Uh, but the fact that he's of even thinking of giving of of trying to impose it. It's, one thing is for sure that the Palestinians are never going to agree to it. But even a thought and even discussion about it, the Rebbe warned very much not to even discuss of giving an inch of land in exchange for peace. So to give a a, um, a make a Palestinian state in the middle of Israel would be both detrimental on a spiritual level and it would be horrific both to the safety of Israel and the very would be a slap to the face of God in which Hashem gives you a land and you're giving it you're giving it away to others, the foreigners. It should never happen and it cannot happen. And I believe that the tsarist that he's having now in the United States, as it pertains to him, I'm not saying the coronavirus is his fault and so on and so forth. I'm saying as it's negatively affecting him, as it took his entire economy, he built up the economy of this country to an unbelievable success. He would have rolled right into November, what is it, November 20th, whenever the election is, November 5th, I'm not exactly sure if I got it already. <clears throat> whenever the election is going to be, he would have won to a stunning victory, but because of the corona and afterwards the riots and after the all, all these things are causing him such problems and such difficulties. I think it's clearly a warning sign for him that as long as he's doing what the Eberster wants, things are going to go good. The moment he thinks he can mess with Eretz Yisrael, I don't know who's the one who's who's giving him these ideas, where it's coming from. I feel it's he should be notified, and if I had the ability to make a video and notify him, I would do so. But it should be something explained to him that this would that. The only reason he was made president of the United States was divinely ordained for him to do certain things. And at the moment he's messing with God's plan, then his presidency is not so assured. And it's interesting that this little area, chat, uh, what do they call it, chop, chop in, in the middle of Seattle, that basically is a, a claiming sovereignty on its own in the middle of the United States, which is so absurd, which is so crazy, 
is in a sense an indicator that if you think you're going to take a piece in my land, God says, in Eretz Yisrael, and and cut out a little piece that should that is not that is does not that's not considered my land, which I'm giving to my children to the Jewish people, then you're going to have that in the middle of your of, of one of your big cities to deal with it. So again, how the Abishter is going to work this all out and how the messianic process is going to unfold with this and through this, I don't know. I'm not a I'm not a I'm not a prophet, and I don't know. I am not a Trump fan per se because I love President Trump. I am a fan of the Mashiach process and I am a fan of the Jewish people having Eretz Yisrael. I am a fan of these, as long as he's doing it, I'm a big fan of his. As long as he's messing with it, I don't know. I don't like that and again, I'm very upset about that. But one thing is for sure, he has accomplished unbelievable things in terms of silencing, not silencing yet, but breaking and causing more noise but breaking and upsetting the Klippus, powerful forces of darkness fighting the Gila. That's the period of Lama Raksha Goyim. And that's a second chapter. That's a second chapter in Moshiach's style. Because you see, this all this started around the time of Gimel Tamas, when Hashkivenu began. Remember we said before, there's two periods in Moshiach's time. There is the Hashkivenu period, and then there is the pre- there's the earlier period where Mashiach is part of Geula, where he's swallowed up by the energy, as we said earlier, of his father-in-law, which is Geula. Then there is a period of Hashkivenu, which is the first period of, in the sense of Yemoisa Mashiach, but it's coming along in the situation of Hashkivenu. Of Hashkivenu means lying down, as if Chas Vesholem, he's not here, and he has no more effect in the world. That leads up to Tfila, which is the time when Mashiach is fully revealed and the whole world is in a fully elevated Mashiach conscious, Mashiach attached state. That's the third state. Parallel to that, you also have the two Kapitlach and Tehillim and Mashiach. There is the first period, Mashiach in this world. Again, he's fighting the wars of God, but in a way where the, the war of Armageddon didn't start yet. The Goygumogoy didn't begin yet. Then there is the period that parallels Hashkivenu, which is the Lama Raksha Goyim period of time, which is literally the same time of Hashkivenu. And what happens in the world? You think that Mashiach is Hashkivenu, Mashiach Chasrashon passed away, that the Goyal is not here. What's really, really happening during this time is that Mashiach himself is in the background fighting the war of the Giyula, appointing appointees in this world. I mean, it has Harbesh Luchem Lamakim, so many ways that God can do what he's doing. When I say Mashiach doing it, it's mm-hmm. obviously Mashiach in partnership with the Abishtuk, because the whole power that Mashiach has is the power of coming from Hashem, which is the power to destroy these forces in the way that Hashem was doing it. And Hashem is laughing at them, as we discussed, that his whole vict- the whole victory, the whole appointment of this president was a laughter to everything that was... It was such a slap in the face to those who felt that they could tear Eretz Yisrael apart, those who compose a peace, those who, those who wanted to eradicate anything holy in this world, literally, it was so unbelievable, it was so unfathomable. So this is the period of Lama Raksha Goyim. So David HaMelech is saying, the Gemara is saying, don't think it's two separate chapters. It's one saga, it's one story. It's the story of Ashrei Ha'ish, the ultimate human being. It's the story of Mashiach. It has two periods, chapter one and chapter two. But you should know it's really one pair. Now, how do these two kapitlach become one chapter? How do we know that it's one chapter? Because David began with Ashrei and he concluded with Ashrei. 
What does that mean? That if we conclude with Ashrei, then it's one chapter. If we don't conclude with Ashrei, then it's two chapters, then it is broken off. But if you, once you find the second Ashrei at the end of Peregibes, that's a sign that it's really one. What does that mean? What's the second? What's the second Ashrei? Second Ashrei is these words. Ashrei kol boy. Fortunate are those who shield themselves in him. Shield themselves in him means those who trusted in him. Those who did not go astray during this period of time of darkness and confusion. Those who heard words of prophecy. Those who heard words of truth and knew that every word that comes out from the mouth of the Nasi Hadar, of the Tzaddik of all Tzaddikim, of the holy Jew that has uplifted the Jewish people like no Tzaddik before him and has saved all of of, of Jewelry and so on and so forth, his words are not false. And every word is emes. And therefore those who trusted, which means did not did not blink during this time, did not lose their abuna, it's actually through that they will make that this whole period is really one chapter. One long one zman. And Khasfashom it's not broken apart. Those who see Hashkivenu as part of Shmunesri, not Khasfashalim a some other some other situation, some, something else going on. Now let's go back to Rebzeira. Remember I told you earlier, the Gemara says that Rebzeira, so we're ready to conclude just in a few minutes. The Gemara says that Rebzeira said, what are you talking about? I brought together Geula to Tefillah and I was damaged. What was the Gemara saying? Whoever will keep Geula and Tefillah to together will not be damaged that day. What does it mean, will be damaged? A lot of people are afraid that if they declare or speak like I am speaking right now, openly and publicly, and saying what Hashkiveinu means, what Gimel Tamos means, and how this relates to the ultimate Geula, and how... Um, this is not a yard site to be celebrated like it's just a regular yard site. We are standing ready to greet Melech HaMashiach any moment. So all Chassidim believed this. In 1990, 19, all this time, it was clear. But afterwards, many Chassidim believe it, but they believe that it has to be hush, quiet, don't say this. Don't say this to anybody. Let's keep this silent. Because if not, it can damage. It can bring all kinds of damage. It can ruin your Chabad house. It can ruin your fundraising. People will think you're crazy or think you're a lunatic, and so on and so forth. So it will bring you damage. Therefore, you want to pretend that you're one of the sophisticated, normal people. And therefore, yeah, that's, a, that, that's a crazy camp. But regular, normal people don't believe whatever. But people are afraid to say that because you also do believe it. Because you believe that the Rebbe's words are Emmas. So it's, here's where... But at least you want to pretend to be a normal guy. right? So you don't want to say it. So the Gemara says, and that means those who are connecting Geula to Tefillah Meaning, those that are swallowing up the hashkivenu, the hashkivenu is not interrupted. If you say that this is a yard site like regular, and there is a regular passing, and when Mashiach will come, whenever, so then hashkivenu interrupted. So you're not connecting Geula, which is the time period before the previous Rebbe, and continuing with the Rebbe, where he's a part of the power of the previous Rebbe, which is Geula, and not connecting it to Yemoisa Mashiach, which is Tefillah. There is an interruption. But if you are soimech ge'ula le'tefillah, even though there's hashkivenu, especially by mayriv, mayriv means in the time of darkness. So during this time, if you're connecting ge'ula le'tefillah, you, you, you might be afraid that you can be damaged. So the Lord says, we promise you that no real damage will come to you. 
comes Reb Zeira. And Reb Zeira told him, what do you mean? I myself suffered from it. I myself had damage. Okay. So I'm thinking right away about the name Reb Zeira. Zeira means small. The Rebbe has a whole talk where he explains the difference between Rabba and Reb Zeira. Rabba means large, Rav big, Zeira means small. So Zeira means comes from narrow-mindedness. It means, now in Hasidus, narrow-mindedness doesn't mean that you're not an intellectual. You could be an intellectual, you could be very, very smart, you could be super intelligent. But when we're talking about Katnus Amoichen means that you're lacking the 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 rachvos of 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 of, of amuna of what's bigger than your seichel. If you think that all of godliness has to fit into your head, that everything has to make sense completely in seichel, you take a look and you see, Taka, those that struggle the most with this with this whole challenge of gimel tamas are the big minds. If 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 you're a, if everything is always understood and everything is comprehended and you come to the deep, the mystery of mysteries, right before Mashiach comes, God throws a curveball, which no one expected, a shocking thing. So if you're, if you're always trying to, so if it doesn't make sense, it doesn't make sense, what do you do? You have to, you have to choose what, what looks as reality. Reality is reality. But that's called zera. that's called small, smallness, because compared to God, everything is small. So if you're stuck in smallness, but if you're willing to expand your mind beyond what you understand, the Koyach HaChachm and Hasidus explains is, not what you, it's bitter, and that brings gadol sabayich, the ability to surrender to something infinitely bigger than you. I don't understand. It doesn't have to make sense completely in my mind. But these are the words that Moshe Rabbeinu said. This is absolute truth. This is absolute emes. And the viral Yakum the words of the Abishter come through the the, the Navi, as it says, the Abishter will not do anything unless he's Kiloi Soidel of Adavanavim, especially when this, this great Sadik said that he's saying prophecy. He's telling us he's speaking as a Navi. So I don't understand. So if you're not Zera, then you have, you have a problem. But those that are Zera say, What are you talking about? If I do say so, I'm damaged, it will hurt, it will be. So the Gemara answers to Reb Zayda, what's your damage? Let's say you got damage, what's your damage? It costed you a little, one guy didn't write you a check. One guy, you thought that whatever, that 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 that, that this guy found out that you believe so and so, and therefore he's upset at you, he's not writing you a check for your Chabad house or for your whatever, for your organization. So the Gemara says, that's what happened to Reb Zayda. he had to pay a tax for the king exactly why taxing the king I, I, I don't have it out so perfect so the Gemara says that's a problem that's a problem the fact that you because of that you went to see the king you saw the non-Jewish king and now you'll get to appreciate the difference be, and then if you'll be Zeicha you'll get to see Mashiach and you'll see the difference between the glory of Mashiach and and a regular king then you'll say whoa it was all worth it it's all worth it you never were damaged it's not like you didn't get a... So the Gemara is really saying, even if it is going to cost you a financial damage. But the fact that because of this, you're Zeichet to see Mashiach. Now, of course, Tom said, every year is going to see Mashiach. Or all year in life today, everybody's going to live gezum to hate everyone. But seeing Mashiach in a whole different way is when you believed in him all along and you had no questions. You didn't let yourself get fadreit the cup with, 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 with questions, with, with, with confusions. Because no MS is MS, truth is truth. Then you see Mashiach completely different. So then the loss is not a loss, what's a loss? The truth is, no one really lost anything. But even if someone thinks that they were, even that, it's worth the loss. It's not It's not considered a real loss. So this is the way I understand the Gemara. But why is this Gemara, Dafka, 
on Daf Tes. As I mentioned earlier, this is end of Daf Tes, Sechtes <clears throat> Brachis. So I think here's the idea. Sechtes Brachis is called Brachis. Brachis is blessings. Hasidus explains that what does blessing mean? It's the last thought of tonight. Blessing means drawing down. That's it. So drawing down godliness, a flow of the divine. That's a tzaddik. Tzaddik is the flow of the divine in this world. Sechtas brachas is really the mesechta of the tzaddikim. They are the blessings. How many tzaddikim are there? A lot of tzaddikim. But the tzaddikim that we're talking about over here, beginning with the Balshamta, there's the Balshamta of the Magen, the seven Chabad Rabbeim. So together, it's nine. So the first blot, 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 nine blot, is talking about the flow of the seven, of the nine tzaddikim. So Davtes is associated with the Rebbe. Wait. Let's make that even stronger. What is the subject matter in the beginning of Masechtas Brachas? When can you start reading Shema by Mayrev? Mayrev means at night. Nighttime refers to exile. When do you start reading the Shema in the exile means? In the end of exile. It's dark. It's dark, dark, dark. When are you going to start appreciating the truth of the unity of God? What's Shema? Shema, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echod, the unity of God. The unity of God is only going to be revealed when Mashiach comes. That's when, that's when it'll be Achtos Hashem, the unity of Hashem. But we got a foretaste. The foretaste began with the Baal The Baal gave us a new meaning of Hashem Echod, that God is one. His oneness is that there's Enoid Mavadi, literally none but Him. So Masechtas Brachis is clearly speaking about the, 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 <coughs> the Baal is the first page, the Magad is the second page. Seven Sadiq. You can ask me a question. I know you don't, don't learn so much Gemara, you made the confession at the beginning of learning, but every even basic student of Talmud knows every tractate of Talmud begins on the second page. So really, Daftes is not Daftes, it's not the ninth page, it's really only the eighth page. So the whole whole calculation is wrong. You're talking about nine tzaddikim, and there's eight tzaddikim. Stump the rabbi, huh? So I have a simple answer for that. As I mentioned the whole time, the eighth and the ninth Rebbe are really one, because Geula and Tefillah are one. Yesoid and Malchus are inseparable. They don't separate even for a moment. They can never separate. They have to remain attached. So Daftes <coughs> is both the, 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 the Friediger Rebbe and also the, the, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, the Rebbe. Now, in Daftes itself, so you can say, Daf, Ahmed, there's different ways of learning it. Ahmed Aleph is the Friediger Rebbe and Ahmed Beis is the Rebbe. Now, this or you can say that the Tess on the first side is the Rebbe's first period of time before Gimel Tammuz. Second page is after Gimel Tammuz. Or even better, second. The first page is the Friediger Rebbe. Second page is the second side is the Rebbe. This study of this passage of the Gemara that I'm saying to you right now is the bottom half of Daftas. Within the Rebbe's chapter, it gets you going from the top to the bottom. The Gemara is talking about this whole difficult chapter of Gimel Tammuz. When the Gemara starts this whole discussion, in the 
end of Tavtes and Mesechtes Brachas. The Tavtes Mesechtes Brachas are those who flow, who bring Echot into Arvis, into Mairev, into the darkness of Golos. These great Tzadikim. In the end, you should know there's going to be a period the Gemara is talking about where there's going to be a challenge to be Saimech Geula Latfila. There's going to be a Hashkivedo over there. There's going to be a difficult time. And the fortunate are those who are going to be able to carry it through and see that Hashkivedo is one one Hemshech. And that the two Kapitlach of Tehillim, Ashrei Aisha and Lama Goyim are one because Ashrei Kochoy Seboy, this whole period, even though it looked to be very dark, is really one. God is shaking and breaking all the clippers before Mashiach comes. And this is all a pathway to redemption that is unfolding in front of our eyes. Is telling us, don't be shooken up by all of this challenge. This is the Yemis. Anyways, um, we should merit that um, all this confusion and bewilderment already should end. This year is Tafshin Pei, Pei is raised. We spoke about so much, and it's already the beginning of the since Martin Torah, 3,333 years, as we discussed. Everything is here. We've seen the world go bananas this year. And every single system was shattered and broken. The world is not going back to the way it was. Once it's changing, what other change can it be other than the change of Mashiach? I believe at this point, time already for us to get a little more comfortable. Not to be those who feel embarrassed and uncomfortable. The world wants to hear the truth anyways. Everybody wants to know the end. Everybody wants Mashiach. Everybody's waiting. We can take part of it, and yes, and based on so much that I discussed in different classes, identifying Mashiach is part of the Avodah. But it's the part that has to come from us, it can't come from high. So, this Gimel Tamas, let's strengthen our Ramuna, let's be strong, and uh, I think I can tell you all, the game's over. It's over, there's no doubt. It, it's, it's unfolding in front of our eyes any moment. We can expedite. The more comfortable we get with these Yanim, the more we can speak openly about it, the more we can reveal it, the more we can understand it, the more we can internalize it. And the most important thing is not when you learn it, it's not just learning. Start living in that state of mind. Start living in that Gawulaliga state. Your davening is different, your learning is different, your your blood pressure is different, your 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 is stronger. Things are all different, and your simcha and your joy is on a whole different level. May we merit already. We should see already the complete and total redemption. Take it from Yad Mamish. We shouldn't have to. The Hashkivenu should be over for us already. 26 years. 26 is Gilu Shema Vayu. We know many things regarding the Balshamta's life was divided into 26. So we're ready for the next phase. The phase of these Galos of Melech HaMashiach should be revealed. Take it from Yad Mamish already before Gimel Tamas on Gimel Tamas. We shouldn't have to wait anymore. We're already there. So, L'chaim everyone. And uh, it's going to be good.